to keep young Luna safe from her own unwieldy powder power. Zan <laughs> unwieldy powder. Sorry. <laughs> I just had visions of like handfuls of powder being flung in the air. I did too. I'm just like like sparkles, like sparkles, sparkles, oh. powder, powder. Anyway, sorry, that was just funny. <laughs> Welcome back to the Book Life Podcast with your host, myself, Mo, and my best friend, Abby. Today, we are talking about The Girl Who Drank the Moon by Kelly Barnhill. This lovely story is a middle grade um, fantasy novel, and it's actually a Newbery Award winner, which I love. Um, I didn't even realize it until I like picked up the book. I'm like, oh, well, this is great. Because, uh, okay, one, what I think is interesting, Abby, I read this book as a paperback and I don't know how this book got into my collection. It just manifested. It like, I I did not buy it myself. You did not buy it for me. Um, and my friend Angie, um, who was getting rid of all her books from teaching, even though she literally just went back to teaching. <laughs> But I, I, I guess she was ambitious thinking she wouldn't go back to teaching. Um, I think it came out of her collection. So I'm pretty sure like this book, which is meant to be read by us because like it came to me, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, and this book is like, it hits so many of the buzzwords that we love. Like there's a dragon. It's a cozy fantasy. And like the magic. Oh my gosh. The magic systems in this book. I love the magic system in this book. It was quite awesome. I love the magic in this book. Oh, it's exactly how I would want magic to be if magic actually existed in our world. Magic should exist. It'd be so much more fun. Oh, that'd be so much more fun. Um, did you read this as an audiobook? Did you, did you have a, your own copy of it? How did you read it? I have my own physical copy of it, and that's how I read it. Okay. Uh, and I'm very glad, because it's like... I feel like with cozy fantasies, you need to actually read the physical book. Uh, I don't, like, I don't know. I would almost, cause I, for me, like I definitely am reading Legends and Lattes by Travis um, Baltry, but I'm, I'm reading it with my really awesome copy of, of the book, which, oh good. It's down here. I did bring it back down here. Um, but I also, as I am reading it, as I'm falling asleep at night, I'm also listening to it as well. And like re-listening to the chapter, um, that I read because one, I'm also reading Hellbent, um, by Lee Bardugo. And that is, that is not a bedtime <laughs> novel. You fall asleep to that nonsense because I definitely did at one point and the dreams I had were were not no, they weren't happy dreams about tea and swords they they were not good dreams i'm sorry you can't get more opposite of books to be reading than legends and lattes and hellbent i know i know <laughs> like i haven't even read hellbent and i can tell you they're complete opposites right oh man yeah definitely don't fall asleep to reading hellbent that's that sounds like a horrible idea yeah i did once um kim and i are reading that book right now and we have like six days left on the loan mm -hmm. and i'm like hmm how do i get more reading time in on that book uh while also navigating like my new class that just started and working oh and parenting um that's an important thing to do too uh yeah, yeah. You know, little things like that <laughs> who would have thought 
Well, Abby, um, can you lead us into a summary about this book? Gladly. Every year, the people of the Protectorate leave a baby as an offering to the witch who lives in the forest. They hope this sacrifice will keep her from terrorizing their town. But the witch in the forest, Zan, is kind and gentle. She shares her home with a wise swamp monster named Glurk and a perfectly tiny dragon, Therian. Zan rescues the abandoned children and delivers them to welcoming families on the other side of the forest, nourishing the babies with starlight on the journey. One year, Zan accidentally feeds a baby moonlight instead of starlight, filling the ordinary child with extraordinary magic. Zan decides she must raise this enmagicked girl, whom she calls Luna, as her own. To keep young Luna safe from her own unwieldy power, Zan locks her magic deep inside her. When Luna approaches her 13th birthday, her magic begins to emerge on schedule, but Zan is far away. Meanwhile, a young man from the Protectorate is determined to free his people by killing the witch. Soon, it is up to Luna to protect those who have protected her, even if it means the end of the loving, safe world she has always known. And, like, that description, I don't know. Like, it doesn't say, I'm a middle-grade fantasy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's like, you're like, oh, epic adventure. And then, like, as you read this book, I feel the writing... The writing is very reminiscent to me of the other book um, we just talked about, um, Daughter of the Moon Goddess. Very lyrical, very flowing, very... uh, Both these authors are just masters of their craft, like with words, you know what I mean? Oh, 100%. Like, um, I'm really loving Legends and Baltry, or Legends and and Lattes by Travis Baltry, but uh, admittedly... I would definitely say Kelly Barnhill and um, the author of Daughter Moon Goddess are better writers than he is because uh, he's using a lot of simple structure sentences compared to what I feel like they used in these. And I don't know. There's just something about the delivery of the words in this book when I read it that mm-hmm. I just was just like, oh, my goodness. Why is this so good? I yeah. actually got... um Ronnie and Elizabeth to buy copies of this book. Oh, good, good. I know. Like, look at us. Like, just telling people, uh, this is a great book. You should go buy it. I've been sharing it with other friends too. Like, um, I think they'll love it. My coworkers, he lives down in Carbondale, and one of his daughters goes to that big private um math school and science school up north. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, you know, she should totally read the Golden Enclave books, the Scalamance books. She loves it. And I'm like, mm, look how good I am at recommending books for your children. And then his um, second daughter, she's still in middle school. And I'm like, you know, she should read this one. This is a, a great fantasy novel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Legends and Lattes and this one, The Girl Who Drank the Moon. I consider both of them five stars, but they're five stars in completely oh, yeah. different ways. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, yeah, completely. <laughs> and it, that doesn't make either of them less or greater. It's just... They're very different books and that's okay, but they both give me the warm fuzzies. <laughs> like they both left me going, mm, that was such a good book. I'm so happy. Like I feel cozy. <laughs> well, let's talk about the characters too. So, oh, yes. We have a delicious cast of characters. We have Zan or Shin. I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce it correctly. It's X. I kept calling her Zan in my me head. Me too. It's X A N. So I went with Zan. 
which may or may not be right. Um, but she is a kindly wench who lives in the swamp who's 500 years old and she just takes care of her communities and she goes and gets those kids from the proctorate and she takes care of them because she's a good, good witch. We have Luna, an infant that Zan saved from being abandoned in the forest. We have Antane, an elder in training, nephew of the leader of the council. We have Grand Elder Gerlin, who is Antane's uncle and leader of the council. We have Glurk. 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 Yep, I'm going to go with Glurk. The friendly but grumpy swamp monster who lives with Zan, which I love Glurk so much. Um, and then we have um, Firion, the dragonling in Zan's care. And Zan always calls him a simply enormous dragon, even though, as Abby read in the summary, he is a perfectly tiny dragon. And I don't... Yeah, so if you guys go look up this cover, there's a little bitty dragon on the front in that, yep. in that Nesferi, and he's just so cute, and I love him so much. He is travel-sized. Uh, I need travel-sized dragons. I need pocket dragons. I think everybody needs a pocket dragon. Right. Um. The So these are just like the main characters. There's a few other characters that I didn't add in to this list because I felt adding them in would be too spoilery. I agree with you. Okay. I'm glad I wasn't off on that. I was like, no, these characters are really important, but mm -hmm. spoilers. Right. I, I thought I'm like, mm, not yet. Actually, I forgot one of my favorite characters, but I can't remember her name. Um, but yeah. So guys, we're going to take a break. Um, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about, of course, our favorite characters, least favorite characters, favorite scenes and least favorite scenes. And when we do come back and you haven't read the book and you want to, you, you just need to stop because yeah we're gonna talk about things that you we will spoil it for you and you don't want that trust me mm -hmm. so guys if you want a cozy fantasy go buy this book pause our podcast and come back later we'll talk to you in a few minutes talk to you in a minute guys Hi, I'm Michael. I'm Barbara. And I'm Lauren. We are the hosts of Badass Literature Society, a book review podcast where we take book recommendations from listeners like you, read them, and then discuss them on our show. Join us once a month as we dive into the books you picked and talk about them. And don't miss our bonus episodes covering all sorts of random bookish topics that come out in between reviews. Don't worry, if you want to read one of the books, the first part of each episode is designated spoiler-free, so you can listen and see if you'd like to read it, and then come back and listen to the rest later. You can find Badass Literature Society on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, and anywhere else you like to listen. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. And remember, this is the spoiler half. If you have not read The Girl Who Drank the Moon, please pause right here and go read it because we love this book and we want you to love it too and we want you to read it spoiler free. All right? Everybody here should have read the book. Now, let's talk favorite characters. Excellent. Hi, I'm going to start. So, um, I I think my favorite favorite character mm, is Glurk. Okay, I kind I kind of love him just because he's I don't know like he has like six arms and he's like this ugly monster and he speaks in poetry and then you find out that like he's I feel like he's the creator of their world and he stopped being basically an eternal god creator creature because he loves Zan so much and wanted to spend that time with her because he loved her mm -hmm. and I was like oh I, I want you too oh I'm like oh it's like like this really weird like relationship but it worked for them perfectly 
you know oh glick was amazing i could not believe that reveal at the end that he was like this super powerful being who created everything i was like excuse me (laughs) my Mm -hmm. grumpy swamp swamp creature is is the creator of everything yep he was just he was an awesome character i totally agree i know i loved it and i was just like oh buddy you were the best um i also highly enjoyed zan in general she kind of like and like we understand why she was kind of like very forgetful um in general um that was one of the themes of the story like don't forget and she in general was a forgetful person and with the circumstances that happened with the her mentor and Firian's mom jumping to the volcano just seemed to like really make her more forgetful but she was like you know she's the grandma that you want she's gonna make you tea and cookies she's gonna heal your hurts uh she's gonna come to the village and help you birth your children you know she saved all of these babies and they were named star child star children and they were always beloved safe children which we find out um like there's like these flashbacks in the book where like a mom is like i dream about him all the time like dreaming about her son who's a star child you know so like even though Mm -hmm. that village where they sacrificed children was so hopeless and so just sad there was so much like the god the symbolism in this book is like all over the place you know like so much the star children are the hope they are the future Mm -hmm. and zan saved them all also zan was a really good grand too luna Mm -hmm. because luna was a handful (laughs) i adore zan i loved like how kind and sweet she was and i liked her magic and i love that she basically devoted her life to making this trek to the protectorate getting the child and then walking the child across the forest and finding them a family Mm -hmm. and like devoting your life to that like as a mom the idea of being in the protectorate and losing my kid like that is absolutely devastating so the idea that the child was rescued every single time and they ended up with a much better life is just like it's like bittersweet and i love it i love it all so much i also so zan's also like a grand to Firion because Firion lost his mom and he was a baby dragon like 500 500 400 years ago 450 sure whatever years ago and he's just a little bitty dragon who dreams that he's a big dragon like he dreams that he's his big dragon and that they're all giants and everyone else is an ant and Mm -hmm. we're like oh you're so delusional buddy and I love how obsessed he is with math you know Mm mm-hmm and I think he's blue. Isn't he blue? I have no idea. All I know is that I want one. <laughs> I think he's blue. Therefore, I love him. I, um, I, also, I don't care. He's blue in my head. Okay. Um, <laughs> I also really like um, Antine's wife. Um, Ethan? Ethan? Sure. E-T-H-Y-N-E. Ethian? Ethian? I don't know. I'm not... Athene. Woo, there we go. Athene. Perfect. I can go with that. And I really like that and Antine like had a crush on her and then like in his school age years, but she went to work at the like monastery as a sister. 
And then when he went to visit um, Luna's mom, who we learned actually is a prisoner there, he got attacked by her paper um, creations and got scarred in the face. And because of that, like he changed the course of his life and he makes these beautiful woodworkings and becomes like the solid community member and leaves the elders council because he can't stomach um, leaving his child in the woods. And then like she leaves the um, monastery and they fall in love and, and they have a baby. And then like she one is a spitfire like she rallies her sisters in the end to go take care of some business because hell have no fury like a mom who you're trying to take her baby from her let me tell you oh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> she, she, she gonna take you out um woo. and i liked that part um i i liked anton i like luna a lot too but and i know luna like was the main character but she wasn't like She's, I mean, she was a child, so maybe I would identify with her more if I was like a 12 year old as well. Mm -hmm. um, but I identified more with the adults in this book for sure. Yeah. And that's fair. I mean, Luna was the main character, but at the same time, so much um, page time is given to all the other characters as well. So, like, the whole story revolves around Luna, but everybody else has their own stories too so it almost feels like they're all main characters mm -hmm. and so i don't know i really liked xan and glurk and Firen and athene athene oh. yep okay um yeah and tan's wife she was awesome um that was a character i didn't see coming <laughs> because like she's mentioned as like he had a crush on her and i'm like oh okay he had a crush on her and like Halfway through the book, all of a sudden, she's one of the main characters. And you're like, oh, okay. So I really like her. Um, yeah, Mama Bear. I totally get that. Right. The other Mama Bear in this one is Adara, which is Luna's mom. Mm -hmm. Oh, because the book starts off with Luna being taken from Adara. Mm -hmm. And they call her the Mad Woman throughout most of this book. And I'm just like, yeah, and I would be too. Well, I mean, the first scene we have in the book is her clinging to the rafters of her house with the child's, you know, t like tied to her body in a wrap. And you're like, y'all don't mess with this mama because she, she, I mean, and like she disfigured her husband too, like kicked his butt. Yeah, she was, <clears throat> she was kicking butt to keep her. Kid. Oh, she, she was terrifying. It was literally just a matter of numbers. <laughs> if they hadn't right. had enough people to subdue her she would have kept her child i man i i'm sorry but if i was these moms i'd be like peace out this village and i'd be traveling down that road somewhere else i know i'm like i can't i would rather walk into the forest and risk facing some evil witch myself than just give up my child you know like if my kid's mm -hmm. going down i'm going with them right and that's just like it absolutely baffles me because I, I totally identify with Adara in the situation. I'm like, hell yeah, call me a mad woman. I'm, I'm going to kick the shit out of you. Thanks. But then like the fact that she didn't give up even after they locked her up and everything. And honestly, I adored her magic with all the paper. She had this magic that involved paper. Like mm -hmm. she folded it into different things and 
could turn all these things from paper into reality. And I'm like, that is so freaking cool. <laughs> well, and not, not only that, she basically just summoned paper because like the sisters would take all of her paper every day and hide the paper from her. And yet like the paper just came to I know. her. You know what I mean? I loved that. I, like no matter what you do, you cannot stop her. A force to be reckoned with. I oh, I love you can't her so you can't much. stop a raging mom. She was such a great character. All right, least favorite characters. Um, I hated the Grand Elder Garland. He was terrible. He is everything that is wrong with bureaucracy. Right. <laughs> it just too much power for a little person. Oh, but I had some sympathy for him because he really did love his nephew. I appreciated that he was humanized because he genuinely loved his nephew. Mm -hmm. And so in his own way, he was trying to protect him. But in general, like him and the entire council, terrible people. Absolutely awful people. Oh, yeah. The council was terrible. And then the sorrow eater. Oh, my God. I know. That was an amazing villain. Um, I was like, I did not see it coming. You know what I mean? Like, I did not see that the Sorrow Eater was going to be someone from Zan's past when they were both in the monastery or both at the um, uh, Wizards Enclave. I don't know what they called it together. Castle group thing. And then how the Sorrow Eater basically like betrayed all of the Wizards and didn't come back with them because she's the one who had the 10,000 league boots versus all the stories said Zan and the you know swamp had the boots and everything no the actual witch was like living in the village the entire time and she cloaked the whole village in sorrow and ate and that's how she gained so much power you know and the moment like um Endora started feeling hope was the moment that her power started waning and then like when she left to go confront um Luna to go get her boots and stuff and like do whatever nonsense she had to do she's got less and less powerful oh she's gonna go kill anton that's right because anton was gonna go kill um zan but yeah Woo. well and here's the thing you knew from the start that the mother superior of the monastery was like kind of evil you knew that you could tell that mm-hmm. from her interactions with people and the way she was acting i was not expecting her to be such a big badass villain you know, right? Like I was expecting her to be on like Garland's level, like another bureaucrat who's just taking a slightly different direction to keep power. Holy crap! You eat people's misery, and mm, like what? <laughs> kind of awful. That's a horrifying power. That is terrible. And like the way she had the town set up was absolutely brilliant. in a terrible way but brilliant in a horrifying way it was but like she was a good villain in the sense that she was intelligent about it Mm -hmm. she wasn't she's not like some dumb kids bully that you find in a lot of kids books like the adult that's kind of stupid that the kid can outwit she was a genuine threat yeah like she was evil and she was smart about it (laughs) And so I'm just like, I sat there admiring her going, oh my God, you're terrifying. But at the same time, you're a really good villain. Mm -hmm. 
God, like who else have we talked about that like we really liked as a villain as well? Like I feel like we did a whole episode about this actually. Oh yeah, did we? Yeah. Mm. What other villains have I liked? I don't remember off the top of my head. Oh, um, the Pen Dragon villain wasn't he like one of those perfect villains? Oh yes, yeah. Saint Dane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Saint Dane was a good villain. Yep. Mm, yeah. I love a good villain. I love a smart villain. Right. I don't like the stupid villains that are easily outwitted by children. It just it bothers me. It's like more I mean, dumb. definitely was not outwitted at all by children. So No. But I also love Yeah. I loved everything about the Sorrow Eater setup. Just mm, fantastic. Right. Well, yeah, those were all my least favorite characters as well. So uh, <laughs> thanks for playing the, once again, Mo and Abby are matching in the land of things that we liked and disliked. Mm-hmm. So let's just go into favorite scenes and tell me, tell me about your favorite scenes. I loved Firean becoming a full-size dragon. Like, it wasn't just one scene either. It was like a buildup to it. And that must have been such a trippy experience for him because he spent his entire life as this tiny little pocket-sized dragon. And then all of a sudden, he's like bigger than the trees in the forest kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it happened over like multiple scenes. But I loved it. It was so it was so fun to watch him become an actually enormous dragon. Yeah, I liked... God, like, a, like my wing is bigger. My claw is bigger. My snout is bigger, you know? Mm-hmm. I love. I was just kind of. <laughs> it, it reminded me of like a juvenile puppy, you know, when their paws get real big, real fast, but the rest of their body's not that big. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. See, and during that scene, in my head, I was genuinely picturing like a random wing suddenly, like he's flying along with his tiny little wings, and suddenly one wing just goes like out the side, and it's huge. Right. <laughs> so in my head, I was cracking up the whole time because that looked hilarious. <laughs> Ugh, I love it. Mm. Oh, okay. Um, Luna finding her magic uh, the second time around. Like, the first <laughs> time around was cute, but the second time around was, like, she was so baffled by the whole thing. And it was this mystery that she had to unravel to, like, even be able to see the word magic because of the spell that Zan had put on her, I'm like, oh, it was so fun watching her rediscover it. Because the first time she discovered it, it was just like a natural progression. But the second time was like all of it hitting her out of nowhere. So that was very fun to watch. Sounds, you know what? It sounds just like puberty when it just hits you all out of nowhere. And speaking of puberty, she was about (laughs) to turn 13. So, you know... (laughs) <laughs> here's some magic and here you go enjoy this I crazy like crap related there a little bit you know <laughs> oh i loved it <clears throat> and then i adored all the scenes with magic but especially the ones with adara was luna's mom because i loved her paper magic specifically but like anytime zan did magic anytime luna did magic like anybody who did magic i loved those scenes Because for me, it really felt like this is real world magic. (laughs) Like, if there was magic in our world, it would not shock me that it was this magic. 
And I just, oh, I adored reading about it because it felt so real. I know. God, their world building in here with the magic was on point. Right? The world building that she did in this small book was just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Mm. I agree. All right. What about you? What were some of your favorite scenes? Um. Okay. So I liked Luna Katrin, her magic as a five-year-old because I thought it was hilarious. Like... <laughs> I can't remember some of the specific things that happened, but like making bubbles. Uh, didn't she like turn a bunny or turn clock into a bunny? Um, was one clock while wow, glurk into a bunny. I was like, that's unfortunate for you, bud. No, um, <laughs> I just think about it in the context of glurk is a super magical, all powerful, like godlike being. She turned mm-hmm. into a bunny. <laughs> Why not? Why not just turn into a little bitty bunny? Um, I love that. What else is there? I can't remember anything else, but just like the stuff she was doing was so accurate. And then like Zan's trying so hard to get her to harness her power and focus. And like, I'm just in here thinking about my twins who are four and a half. And I'm like, <laughs> you want that child to sit and focus. Hmm, you are so funny, lady. So, you know, I felt like Xan had to lock away um, Luna's power and did the right thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but. Oh, 100% she did the right thing. I I can't imagine dealing with my five-year-old having magic like. Like, in some cases, I don't think it'd be too bad, but, like, oh. Okay, let me put it this way. I think my oldest, who is currently five, would be better than my three-year-old when he hits five. And I think it's a personality (laughs) thing. Yeah. But still, like, any five-year-old, they don't need magic. Mm -mm. No, they don't. (laughs) So I felt like that scene was so accurate. I was like, wow, I read this before. (laughs) I love this life without magic. Um, I loved any scene with Virian um, because he's just freaking adorable. Mm -hmm. I'm like, dragon, come here, little bitty dragon. Like, um, I equated him in my head as my daughter when she chases the cat and she's like, come here, kitty, kitty, kitty. I love you. And I'm like, come here, little dragon. I love you. You know what I mean? And I'm like, oh, my child is my child. Um, and then I really liked like the paper magic. Um, I thought that was so unique. And as terrifying as it was for when An- Anton Antine went to visit um, Ad- Adora, Ad- Adara, mm-hmm. like that scene was so good, like scary mm-hmm. good. You know what I mean? Literally. Oh, yeah. That was powerful. Mm. Ooh, I liked it. It was like, give me chills. That, that was the magic in this book. So well done. Mm-hmm. Well, and with all the interweaving of the character stories, like some of the interactions, you're like, just like Adara and Antine. On paper, you're like, oh, what kind of interaction are they going to have? That's not going to be very interesting. And that ended up being one of the like this absolutely chilling scene. <laughs> that was so oh, yeah, love it. That was one of those things mm-hmm. that just like, mm, mm, mm. Makes me so happy. I love it all. Oh, uh, you okay. So I didn't do any least favorite scenes because I kind of like forgot about it. But now that you reminded me of it, yeah, I would agree with that too. Yeah, I just thought of it as we were talking. I was like, oh, crap, that does happen. Yeah, I know. 
so least favorite scenes zan dying because zan dies and like on the one hand it was so well written but on the other hand she died i know and like and it was meant you know to be because she tied her magic to help luna grow and be safe Mm. though luna kind of was draining her of her magic because luna's a little sponge but yeah well and like you knew throughout basically the majority of the book that it was going to happen you knew Mm -hmm. it was coming and still i was sitting there going she does she have to die are you sure nobody's gonna save her at the last minute Mm -hmm. oh it's just it was rough watching this character who you feel like is a grandmother to you as well yes it's just like oh i know she had to die but oh i know that was rough that was that was really rough but then like she and glurk got a walk in spirit together and off they went into the world oh like i said it was beautifully written like oh i can't imagine having that be written any better than it was Mm -hmm. that was just a beautiful ending for that character and it it was needed and i loved reading it but also wow right all right so what were your final thoughts on this book well this is okay so you as i already said earlier i've been recommending this book to people to buy so whenever i recommend books to people that usually means that it was pretty freaking awesome and that i think everyone should read it this was a really just amazing read like and I, honestly, between this, like, The Girl Who Drank the Moon and Our Moon Goddess, I do kind of get the books a little um, fuzzy-wuzzy in my head just because the names are so similar. But mm-hmm. the stories are different. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. They're uh, very different stories. Yeah. It, it's just a great book. And I think this would be a great book for any, like, middle schooler to read, like, starting, like, in fifth grade. Um, very... the the writing wasn't difficult to read a great book for an adult to read so like i don't know if i would i don't know if it would capture the interest of a child if you read it to a child it might still not be as exciting um but i mean all around like i would just like chuck this book at everybody who walked past me Mm -hmm. oh for sure this is a phenomenal Mm -hmm. book that i wish everybody would read Mm mm-hmm Oh, and my final thought, I now need to read her other book written, like it's an adult novel called When Women Were Dragons, and I need that book like tomorrow. Oh, 100%. I want to read that book so bad. Mm-hmm. All right, what about you? Five stars. I adore this book. It gave me all the warm fuzzies. Like, even when I knew things were going to happen, they were written so beautifully that I just... It baffled me that it was so beautifully written, you know, <clears throat> in a good way, because I was left just going, oh, I love this. I love everything about this. Even Zan dying was so beautifully written. It's just, oh. And the interweaving of all the characters' stories mm-hmm. was brilliantly done, I think. Because a couple of the characters, especially, you're just like, 
they have no connection. There's no way you can possibly write them into the same scene at any point. And she still did it. And it still worked beautifully. And it just, the interweaving got me. Because, like, you start off with um, Antane in the Protectorate. And you're like, what does this mousy little guy have to do with anything? Like, I thought this was supposed to be a story about a witch in the forest and a baby. And then you get to the baby and the witch and you're like, oh, okay, cool. We're going to stay with them for a while. And then you switch back to Antane and you're like, uh, WTF? What does he have to do with anything? <laughs> and him and Adara getting to meet with that chilling scene and just... The way everything worked was so beautiful. I loved it all. And just wow. Mm-hmm. It was- very oh i love books that are so interwell woven mm-hmm. so good for sure well i think that's it for today guys um next time we come back abby and i have been reading books like mad women this year so we have some really great books we're going to talk about and we'll see you soon we'll talk to you in a couple weeks guys bye bye If you liked what you heard today and want to help us spread the book love, drop us a rating or review on the app you use, or share the episode post on your preferred social media. Everything helps. You can also check out our Patreon for some awesome perks, like access to our miniseries, a monthly guaranteed episode poll, and much more. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter under the name The Book Life Podcast. If you'd like to contact us directly, you can email us at thebooklifepodcast at gmail.com. The song is Theme for an Unmade Anime by C8 Benoit from their album Dominique. You can find them on Instagram at C underscore A underscore B-E-N-O-I-T. That's C-A Benoit. And on Spotify under their name, Katie Benoit. Thanks for listening. Till next time.